This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, this sucks. Cool, man. So how you been? Uh, good, busy, and you know, life gets lifey sometimes, but you know. Uh, good we finally got a chance to connect. Yeah, man. How was your moose hunt? Uh pretty unsuccessful. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. But uh, you know, that's hunting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, we uh stuck to the high ground thinking maybe they'd be up a little higher. We haven't had too much snow and hasn't been that cold. So gotcha. we checked out a lot of high ground and just didn't see what we were looking for. So yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. So Never how's been the podcast going. Um, podcast is going well, man. Um, it's uh, it's, it's off. Yeah, it's grown pretty fast. Um, I had some really cool guests, and um, yeah, it's doing well, man. It's doing well. It's been fun. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, maybe what we'll do is uh, maybe you could just uh, tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself and 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 just about your podcast and. Yeah, sure. Stuff like that. Yeah, so um, let's see. I mean, I've been hunting since I was a kid. Uh, my dad got me into it, and I was, um, I don't know, probably gosh, seven or eight. And I think maybe, I mean, probably younger than that, honestly. But then I think I got my first shotgun when I was like eight or nine, something like that. And, you know, he was a bird hunter, took me out bird hunting a lot. And, um, about the age of 14, I got permission to, to deer hunt on this farm, um, near our house. And it was amazing. Like just tons of deer. And, uh, I was the only one hunting it. And at that point, that's when I fell in love with bow hunting. Cause, um, it was a County where there's no rifle hunting allowed. It was only bow and shotgun. So I really dove in and kind of taught myself how to bow hunt. My dad helped a little, but I mainly kind of taught myself how to deer hunt. Cause he was really more of a bird hunter. And, um, so yeah, man, been hunting my whole life. And then, 
Um, I don't know how in-depth you want to go, but, um, you know, I kind of hit this period of my life where things got pretty dark. Um, I struggled with addiction and um, went through a bunch of crap. But through all that, you know, two things that were kind of constant in my life, even despite what I was going through, was, you know, um, was my faith, even though I was kind of leaving, living, leaving a double life a little bit. And then, um, the outdoors and, you know, you know, during the worst parts of it, I was just struggling to get by, but I would still every year, like drag myself out to a tree stand, you know, and and do some hunting and, and was pretty successful despite what I was going through. And, um, but then, uh, you know, stuff kind of came to a head with that. And, um, I had to, I had to reach out for help, got help. And that was about five years ago, um, that I got clean. And, um, and then about two or three years ago, um, a buddy of mine invited me on a trip to Alaska. And that is when I really jumped into, you know, backcountry hunting or backpack hunting or everyone to call it. Um, you know, I'd done a lot of hunting obviously, but it was mainly, you know, day hunts or, um, I, I think I'd car camped a couple times and hunted, but, um, you know, heading out on a seven day excursion, just what's in your bag. And, um, just this big adventure going to Alaska, it, it just changed everything, man. And I jumped in head first and, um, I had a complete physical transformation. I lost like 70, 75 pounds through that training. Um, not just training for that, but, um, it was just part of the journey. And, um, and yeah, man, so that trip to Alaska just changed everything. It was like a rebirth just, uh, into hunting. It was like, I started hunting again. Cause, um, there, I mean, I still love deer hunting and I still love duck hunting. I still love going out for quick trips by my house. Um, I'll always love that. Um, but there's just something different about that fully immersive experience of like really living out in the wild for multiple days and hunting and, and just the physical challenge of hunting in the mountains. Um, it's an all encompassing experience, like mind, body, and spirit. So it's very unique. And uh, it was like a rebirth and, um, and that had just huge impacts on my life. Um, and kind of what led me to starting my podcast project and YouTube channel and all that. So, yeah, man, that's kind of the Reader's Digest version. There's a lot of, you know, um, a lot of details I skimmed over, but um, that's that's pretty much the overview of it. So, yeah. So um, for those don't, who don't know, what uh, where are we hitting you up from today? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, you're in Canada, right? Yeah, buddy. BC. OK, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, you doing all right with those floods and everything that's been going down, man, you know, it's, um, where we are, we're, we're good, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people closer to the coast that, uh, yeah, they're having, uh, we're having a hard time, man. And we just kind of just never seems to end up here this year, you know, from just one thing after another, we had a crazy forest fire year this year. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people lost, uh, lost their homes. We actually lost a whole town. Uh, due to a fire and uh and now it's just uh yeah it's just uh you know the the year can't end fast enough for some people that's for sure well definitely prayers going out to you and other people of bc and canada um glad you're doing all right um hope your listeners are all right but uh 
Um, I'm coming to you from Virginia, the United States, which is on the East Coast, Southeast, about halfway down. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, you've been out there your whole life? Yeah, I was born in Tennessee, but I basically grew up here. Uh, we moved here when I was about four years old. So, basically been been here my whole life, man. So Yeah, so that hunting trip to Alaska, was that your first time up there? Yeah, man, that was my first time to Alaska. It was um it was my first backpacking hunt which is kind of crazy to go from like never backpack hunting to like alaska like your first trip at least coming from this far away um but it was it was amazing man so yeah that was my first time up there and just what an awesome place i'm sure well i'm not sure but i'm assuming that it's somewhat similar to kind of the terrain you live in or you hunt in um but it was, yeah. it was amazing. we were in that first trip we were in, I went this year back to Southeast Alaska and to Kodiak Island, but the first trip we were in, um, you know, East central Alaska, like, I mean, I think we were less than an hour from the Canadian border. Mm -hmm. So cool. Cool. Now you mentioned you were, you're a little heavier, uh, before was that, uh, did you pack that weight on with you for your first trip up to Alaska? No, no. So that was part of the whole like transformation. So, um, I guess, so once I got clean, I kind of, I, you know, I was clean, but I wasn't still very healthy. I wasn't doing any exercising at all. Um, and I was just kind of eating whatever I wanted. And I got, I'm six foot tall and I got up to about 250 pounds with like no muscle. So I was, I was like, literally, I was definitely obese, um, like by the numbers. And, uh, I just started feeling gross, man. I felt like a slob. Like I just didn't feel like a man. Like I knew like, you know, that feeling it's like, you know, if you, if, if the crap were to hit the fan and you had to like defend yourself or your family, you'd last like 15 seconds and then be so winded, you couldn't do anything, you know? And, um, I was like embarrassed to take my shirt off and I was like, something's got to change, man. So I started, I started in about 2018 in the spring, a friend was helping me kind of, um, write some programming and, uh, get on a nutrition plan. And I ended up dropping, probably about 50 pounds. Um, but then I didn't really have, I didn't have like a, I mean, of course my family and my health are a strong why, but I kind of, I found that you sort of need like a, a really kind of a tangible goal. At least that is very helpful. I didn't really have like a goal for my fitness. Um, so, but that's, that's when, um, so I, I gained a few pounds back. I probably gained like 25, 30 pounds back. So I was probably like 230, 235. Um, somewhere in there. And then that's when my buddy reached out to me about Alaska and he was kind of trying to sell the trip, you know, like, Oh, it's not going to be that bad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And so I said, yes. And then I started learning and like kind of coming to realization, like what we were actually doing. I mean, we were hiking in, you know, we weren't flying in, we were hiking into our base camp, which was at least seven miles and not easy miles. I mean, you know, in the mountains, like seven miles is, is, can be a nightmare depending on what you're doing. And it was, it was not an easy hike in. And, you know, with all that weight, you know, a week or at least five days of food and camp on your back, uh, it's no joke. And then the guy I was going with, he's ex Navy special warfare. He was oh, a yeah. um, special warfare combatant craft crewman. So he was in like amazing physical shape and I started realizing like all right <laughs> if I'm gonna like legitimately do this and not die or like have a terrible time I'm really gonna start getting serious that's when I really buckled down 
and started training hard and, and, and got down to kind of the weight I'm at now. Oh yeah. So, so you, you're, uh, you're well in shape before you left. I was going to ask you, that would have been, uh, quite the trip if you're oh, yeah. packing around an extra 70 or so pounds of, uh, of body weight on you. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't yeah. have done it. Yeah. It wouldn't so, have been no fun. That's for sure. You probably would have been doing a callback <laughs> call in. Save me. Yeah. Hit that SOS button. <laughs> right on. So, so how was that trip? Tell me a bit about that trip. Were you guys hunting? We were hunting caribou and it was a walk-in style hunt, like I said. So yep. we did it about as is about as challenging as you could. I mean, I'm not saying like it was the hardest hunt ever, but it was a challenging hunt. And we knew that going in. Um, you know, your your obviously your chances of success rate are gonna be much higher if you pay the three grand for a bush flight in. We wanted to save some money and just try it as a walk-in style hunt. And um, so as a trip, I will say it was highly successful. It, it literally changed my life. Um, we did not punch our tags, though we could have. And I just say that because a couple of mistakes, well, one major mistake I made going in, my buddy, um, he had gone on a caribou hunt the previous year with a friend of ours that's he likes hunting but he's not like that into it and anyway this this guy had accidentally shot a cow because you know obviously caribou yeah. cows have antlers and they misidentified he accidentally shot a cow and and so my buddy had this pretty bad experience with that um i don't know what the rules are in alaska but uh, i mean sorry in canada in alaska non-residents are not allowed to shoot cows and oh, so yeah. if you do, it's, it's kind of a big deal. You got to pay a fine. You got to surrender your animal. It goes on your record. Uh, it's just not something you want to deal with. Yeah. Um, so he kind of had that lingering bad taste in his mouth. I made the mistake of, um, you know, I was doing so much preparation and so much training. One thing, one area where I kind of lacked in my training was I, I don't think I spent enough time learning how to properly field judge between a small right. bull and a cow. Yep. And I kind of let him, I kind of like relying on him to do that, which is a mistake. Cause well, anyway, we, we got a couple stalks where in retrospect, we're like 99% sure they were bulls and I was in easy rifle range, but we just decided not to pull the trigger because we weren't a hundred percent sure in the moment it was a cow or a, or a small bull. So I think, you know, I think we made the smart decision because if there's any question in your mind, I think it's wise to not pull the trigger. Um, it did kind of hurt a little bit eating tag soup, but still overall, the trip was just amazing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all good. And I still have that like bloodlust for caribou. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen for more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Our rigs, we, we're, uh, we're allowed just a, a over the counter, but it has to be a five point bull for us. Oh, okay. Cool. So, yeah. So yeah, we can uh, non-residents can shoot any bull, but it just has to be a bull. Oh yeah. And um, as you know, sometimes those baby bulls are pretty hard to tell from a cow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially when they're all running around together and. Yeah. Yeah, you're never. You know, you're usually a little bit off. Like you're not. Yeah. You're not that close. Yeah. Unless man. you're that. Unless you're good, I guess. <laughs> so. Sure. Um. Now, before you went on this trip, 
you said you troubled with addiction and that was mm-hmm. it something you, you, you quit before you went on that trip or is this trip kind of something that set it off? No. Yeah. Like, again, there's no way I could have even done this trip uh, with, if I was still where I was, I mean, I was, I was, I don't mean like I was dabbling. Like I was heavily addicted to hard drugs. I was an opioid. Oh, okay. Like, um, you know, if I went for more than like 12 hours or probably eight hours without using, I would get like physically ill. Um, so yeah, no, I'd been clean a couple years, several years, three, four years or something, um, before this happened. And, um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So that, that was a different, a different journey, but that's part of, um, part of what's so kind of cool about my story and what God's done in my life is because I always wanted, I've always had this desire for this adventure like that. And, and this like need almost really in like deep in me to do these awesome adventures like this. But, um, you know, if you're physically addicted to a substance, um, that's gonna, that's gonna put the brakes on a lot of stuff like that. And so, um, but but getting past that and being able to realize some of these dreams and adventures is just, uh, that's my life is just, you know, taken off to a new, a new plane. So. Yeah, no, uh, you know, that's luckily something I've never had to deal with or, or encounter, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, that have, and, uh, I'm sure it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not something easy to, to overcome. So that's pretty cool. No, man. no it's, it's not fun. And, um, yeah, it's, so, it's you're fun. a man of faith. Were you a man of faith before or after? Yeah. So I grew up. Um, I grew up in the church, you know, um, my parents took me to church and all that. Um, I think I got saved as a kid. Um, but then in college, you know, I kind of bought into the lie, the party life stuff. Like I said, I always had this inner desire for adventure and kind of get the most out of life. But I think in college, I like bought into a lie or misinterpreted that desire for adventure. And I would, I kind of, somehow convinced myself that that adventure that I was seeking could be found, you know, in the party scene in the bottom of a bottle or, you know, in doing drugs and doing crazy stuff. So I was in a band and all that. And, um, and so, yeah, I kind of lost my way in college and, and, you know, it started off as fun and games and all that and, you know, college stuff, but pretty quick um, it was, more than just you know college shenanigans it was like i was abusing stuff to a different level than most kids and um and then it just progressed and got worse after college and like i said my faith was still there i never would have been like oh i'm not a christian or oh i don't believe in god i never hit that point but it wasn't something that was real to me that wasn't something that was part of my life or like shaping the way i live my life or the decisions i made on a day-to-day basis Um, But then, you know, after college, at some point, my faith became real to me on another level. It wasn't just something my parents had told me and passed on. It became something that I believed as an adult, as a free thinking human and um, and started to shape the decisions in my life. And um, that doesn't mean that stuff got cleaned up and got perfect right away. It was still a you know, a winding road and, you know, I'm still on that road. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. Nothing like that. But, um, 
but my faith became something different to me at that point and um and is flourished you know my spiritual health has flourished as my physical health has and um and my mental health as well so it's good man it's always been there but it's it's been part of the journey as well right right so you started uh, struggling with addiction that were you able to finish college like graduate from college or yeah yeah that's, that's dude good. i was i was extremely high functioning like i was not one of these people who i'm not saying i was great but I wasn't like one of these people who's like, you know, on the street or just like a bum on somebody's couch. Like I, you know, I finished college. I held down jobs. I did yeah, right. I married. I got, you know, I had, I had a kid, but like, I was just hiding the fact that every day I was like basically doing enough drugs to kill like three or four normal people. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. it's still somehow functioning until I couldn't function anymore until I hit a point where it's just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was still functioning, but yeah. And I know. see, I think that a lot of people, that's what they think, you know, just uh, somebody with addiction is just somebody sitting on the street, living underneath a tarp. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. They don't see the people that are struggling with it. You know, there might be people struggling with that have day to day. Right. And I wasn't living up to my full potential, you know I mean? Yeah. I was getting by. Yeah. I was living a quote unquote normal life, but I wasn't going on sweet adventures. I wasn't, starting new things i wasn't inspiring other people i wasn't leading my family well i was i was functioning but not well not at a high level by any means yeah well good for you man yeah i appreciate it dude. so the podcast you started the podcast yeah uh how long has that been going now yeah so the hunter's, hunter's quest. quest podcast yeah so <laughs> um i started that not long after I got back from Alaska, um, I was I was just thinking like I've always had this creative kind of bent towards my personality, and I always liked you know making videos and I, you know we'd mess around and make little radio shows and stuff when I was a kid, and um, I also worked in broadcast media. I was a camera operator and I was a producer for seven years on a national christian tv show um so when i got back from alaska i was like man and and part of my whole journey of becoming learning about backpack hunting and because it's a big learning curve i'm coming from flatland in virginia like the closest mountains are like four hours away and probably compared to what you call a mountain they're like hills um they're so I, i'm a flat like you know i didn't grow up around mountaineering mountain hunting like hunting here is you walk from your truck 300 yards and sit in a tree stand and that's and that that's still hunting i'm not saying it's not i still do that but it's a different thing than backpack hunting or you know expedition yeah. style hunting so i had to learn a lot and how i learned a lot was through podcasts that was one of the main ways i learned and so I noticed and then i noticed also as you probably have seen and, and probably hit on some in your podcast there's a lot of really good content about, and this is one of the reasons I love this style of hunting so much, where these guys would be integrating, you know, um, physical health, fitness, you know, um, even mental toughness and stuff like that into their podcast. And that was the stuff I liked the hunting content, but that stuff when they were able to integrate like mental toughness and physical fitness and hunting, I just ate that stuff up and I really loved it. Um, and so I realized there's a lot of this really good stuff out there. However, 
it seemed like nobody was really breaching the spiritual side of it. So I believe that we are triune beings. I believe that we are spirit, soul, and body. And I felt like that there's a lot of good stuff out there where guys were hitting on the soul, which some people think is the same as a spirit. But when I say soul, I mean like your mind, your mental life. Um, the soul and the body were being hit very well in terms of fitness and mental toughness. But, and I noticed there are a lot of guys, you know, like Dan Staten or like Adam Weatherby, um, other guys in the industry that are believers that mention the fact that they're men of faith, but it's not really delved into in depth or talked about much. So I wanted to, I felt like I had a kind of unique space because I also have experience in ministry where I could um, have a podcast that talked about hunting, um, spiritual formation, and also worked in the mental and physical fitness side of things as well. I thought that would be kind of a unique way to hit it. Um, and just get a chance to talk to some really cool guys along the way, um, build some build some friendships in there, build some networks and, uh, and learn. Um, so, so that's what I set out to do, um, was, was to start that. And it's, it's been going really well, man. Yeah, no, it's cool. You had, uh, you got some, some great guests on there and, uh, a lot of good yeah. stuff. And that's, it's a, it's funny. I think it's, uh, that sort of, um, you know, that sort of combination of, of faith, God and, and hunting it's, uh, it's more present down there than it is up here. So. Uh, yeah. You know, and the other thing is too, man, like there were also, I feel like for me, what I noticed with the like, quote unquote, Christian, like outdoor podcasts and stuff, which there are some, and I'm not hating on them. They're good and they have their place, but I feel like a lot of them are, they're kind of like this all or nothing thing. It's like they're either like oh, a hundred percent about Christianity or like not at all. So it's like, it's almost like a lot of them are, are um, it's almost like you're listening to a sermon or something. Right. Yeah. Which is like fine. And like I said, I'm sure that's, there's a place for that. And like, you know, we need some of those out there, but I wanted to do something where a, maybe a person who doesn't believe in Christianity at all, or maybe they're from another faith background can still listen to it. We'll still get value out of it. We'll still enjoy it. Um, and still, and we can talk about the spiritual stuff without having to like cram particular theology down your throat or be corny or preachy because I have guys on my podcast who are not Christians at all. Um, and, and ladies, um, but I still like to talk about the spiritual aspect of things. Um, right, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I try to be something that adds value and is cool to listen to, even if you're you're not really into that stuff. But I do breach the topic on almost all the podcasts. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's good, man. It's uh, definitely unique. And, and like you said, you're not cramming it down everyone's throat. So it's yeah, uh, it's good. Cool. So yeah. uh, you made it back up to Alaska, you said do some hunting yeah, this year. Yeah. So uh, this year we went to Kodiak. You ever been there? No. Okay. I definitely recommend it uh, for you and anybody listening. Um, so, yeah, we went on a Sitka blacktail hunt. Um, we flew in to an Alpine Lake in August and hunted uh, high country blacktails. Um, it was it was amazing, man. And I, I made a film about that. I filmed the whole thing. Um, the Is edit, it up yet? Where can, can we 
Is it available for guys to the, watch? The it? film is not yet ready because the computer I'm on right now is about 10 years old <laughs> and you put one 4K clip in it and it blows up. <laughs> so um, I literally ordered a month ago, I ordered a new, like a brand new MacBook Pro, like the sick, like M1 Max chip, like just a beast computer. But with all this like production. Yeah. Hard to get anything. Yeah, I'm not gonna get it till like around Christmas time, so I'm basically oh, yeah. standstill with editing right now. Um, but I'm hoping to have those films out on my YouTube channel, um, you know, early 2022. Um, so yeah, cool. Well, we look forward to that. Yeah, man. Any uh, any any bears out there you ran in with? We saw a ton of grizzlies, man. Um, the first night we were there, we looked across our lake, and there's a sow with like three cubs and see yeah and then we quickly put our bear fence up (laughs) um and we saw we saw we were we were seeing bears pretty pretty frequently the whole time um you know that time of year in august most of the bears are down low eating salmon but we when we were up you know 1500 ish feet and still seeing a lot of bears and actually the um it's a really cool story the way the whole hunt turned out and we recap it on a podcast episode. If any of your listeners want to check it out, but um, we, we got my buddy, he, or our friend, we took a third guy with us. We got him, his tag filled on like the first full day or something um, and got it all on camera. And uh, then we were kind of like, all right, sweet. Now that was sort of the plan. Like let's get our buddies tag filled. And then me and my friend who were kind of more seriously involved and I was filming and hunting and like, all right, then we'll get everything kind of dialed, get the camera gear figured out, figure everything out. And then you and me will kill our bucks. And so that was the plan. And then after we filled that first tag, like we didn't like the weather changed and we didn't see basically any bucks for like four days. And we were starting to get nervous, man. And then the last day, was our last morning we were about to get um we were supposed to get flown out like five hours later and the weather broke and me and my buddy were able to harvest two bucks like we got a double like the bucks were together we shot them like 30 seconds apart got the whole thing on camera um and his was like 100 it hasn't been officially scored yet easily over 100 inches like it was probably about 105 110 maybe 115 inch blacktail which is massive yeah Yeah. um just we we were blown away like it looked like a big it looked like a mule deer like it was so big um but anyway i got the whole thing on camera and this is a long way to answer your question but before we went down there on that stock we saw two grizzlies about 150 yards from where they were oh yeah But I mean, it was, it was go time. So we were just like, you know, whatever we went. And then when we recovered our bucks, of course we were yelling, you know, Hey bear, Hey bear the whole time. Yeah. But I will say the bears we did see, we didn't have any problems with bears. Um, they kept their distance. If they had any clue of our presence, they were running the other way. Yeah. Um, so we did see quite a few bears, but never had any problems with bears. Yeah. No, for the most part, the grizzlies are just like black bears they don't want anything to do with you yeah for unless sure. you got uh unless they're hungry enough and then you got a kill on the go yeah i think like i think i've heard that like you know later in the year when food starts to be more sparse you know the salmon are gone then they're more apt to want to try to get on your kill yeah. um but you know in august when they have you know they basically have their fill of fish every day if they want it i think they're a little less 
you know, inclined to come and try to steal your kill or whatever. But yeah, we didn't have any problems with them. Yeah, cool. It's cool to see grizzlies wherever you, on any day, though. Yeah, for sure, man. I was glad we saw them. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So what else? Uh, what else did you get up to this year? Oh uh, man, um, so you're doing some filming too for Dano, yeah, weren't you? So I did a podcast with Dan Staten, which I think you've done with him too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So he's a really cool guy, and um, through that we just got to talking. And I knew he was kind of looking for uh, for people to help with his content creation side of things because, um, well, anyway, he was just looking for some help with that. So I just kind of told him, hey, man, uh, you know, we got we got along pretty well on the podcast. I said, you know, I, I have a history, uh, a professional history in film production. You know, I know how to hunt. I'm in pretty good shape here's some of my previous work. He looked at it and he basically um, just hired me to film a hunt for him um, in New Mexico. And uh, it was awesome, man. It was, um, it was really cool. That was my first elk hunt, even though I wasn't actually hunting, I was just filming and observing, but learned a ton, um, had a great time. Um, and it's, it's kind of helped to, open some potential doors, you know, into other work in the industry and stuff like that. Um, I'm still trying to iron out the details There's a whole lot of moving parts. So I don't want to get too specific, but Lord willing, I'm hopefully going to be going in January on another hunt um, in Arizona for coos deer and mule deer and javelina with some other guys in the industry that kind of came out of that opportunity uh, again, that's not hundred percent yet. I'm still working on the details, but hopefully that'll go down. And it was, it was really cool. Dan's an awesome guy. He's an amazing hunter, learned a lot from him. Um, and, uh, it was a great experience for sure. Yeah, he definitely is. Cool, and that, that, that hunt was pretty tough and there was a whole lot of drama associated with it. Um, uh, we did a bunch of couple podcasts together about it. I would encourage guys to go listen to that. It's a really interesting story. Basically these, there's a guide service here called United States Outfitters USO and down in New Mexico, you know, I don't know what stuff's like in Canada, but in New Mexico, they sell what they call landowner tags. And so basically they're selling, you know, trophy elk tags. Right. And Anytime you have something like that going on and there's lots of big dollars involved, these things will go for 10,000 plus, not to mention lodging and food and tip your guys on. So anytime you have, you know, and, and, you know, if you you have enough hunters coming in, I mean, you're talking about millions potentially of dollars per year for some of these landowners and outfitters. So with that kind of money normally breeds some shadiness, not always, but a lot of times. So these guys were doing just illegal stuff. They were, they were, um, they were illegally like, see this. Well, you, your listeners can't see it, but I have behind me, you can see it. I have this yeah. no trespassing sign that I stole and I don't oh, condone yeah. stealing signs ever. This was <laughs> illegally posted okay. sign that these guys had, had put on public land. So I took oh, it because it oh, was there. So, so that, so the ranch is going around sticking signs on this, this guide service that leases hunting rights from this ranch USO guides. They were illegally posting signs on public land. 
they had armed armed security guards physically kicking people off of public land telling them they were on ranch land when they were not and i have video evidence of this which we gave to the game wardens and which they've been following up on they were flying low flying aircraft on the uh on the property line to physically push elk back onto their land really another day we were driving through the desert to get to our glassing spot on public land we noticed like in the middle of the road at 4 a.m we're driving out in the dark there's this eighty thousand dollar like diesel brand new truck just sitting there and we're like that's weird and as soon as we go around it he turns his lights on and starts slowly creeping after us so we're like that's weird that there's just like random truck in the middle of the desert like okay following us so but we kind of just wrote it off and we we're glassing then we see some elk and we're trying to make a plan to go after him right as we see the elk we see that truck pull between us and the elk two guys get out in blue jeans they were not hunters two guys get out and slowly start walking and just pushing the elk off public on back onto the private no so way. they are paying dudes to to wow. like post up in the desert and scare elk away from public land hunters. We had reports of other guys who were about to like 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 about to shoot elk and have these USO guides running, yelling, scaring the elk away from them and pushing them back. Like so much sketchy stuff. You got to go back and listen to that podcast. And and he's Dan from Elk Shape is going to be releasing a video or a video series with all the footage we shot crazy stuff man so you guys have this all a lot of this on recorded yeah i i, I recorded crazy. i recorded this armed dude lying kicking us off public land trying to because you got to think nine out of ten of these guys are out-of-state hunters if a you know really official looking scary ex he was an ex-law enforcement guy yeah with a gun comes up and says hey you're tre this is what he said to us he said you're trespassing on floyd lee property if you come back tomorrow you will be arrested nine out of ten guys are gonna be like oh sorry i didn't know whatever and leave and that's what they're expecting but dan dan wasn't having it and he kind of like was like he just was like no like this you know i know where i'm at this is bull crap basically i get the whole thing on camera but um yeah and we 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 sent uh, i sent video evidence to the game wardens the state game commission I called the game warden, double-checked that they were, in fact, lying. He even double-checked with the state game commission. So it's like 100% verified they were 100% lying and breaking the law, trying to kick public land hunters off public land. So and did you guys call while you're out there hunting? We, we went back into town to oh, yeah. refuel and, like, change Just location, confirm. all the yeah. drama, and that's when I called the game warden. Wow, so did they come out and... Yeah. Do anything. They came out. Um, I haven't gotten an update lately from the guy, but um, I was in contact with the warden. I sent them a bunch of our footage so they could have it as right. evidence. So hopefully they're oh. doing something. Crooked. Dude, it was very crooked. Very crooked. Brutal. Floyd Lee <laughs> Ranch, eh? Yeah, that's the ranch. Um, he's one of that's one of the biggest like private landowners in New Mexico. I don't know. You know, I think most of the illegal sketchy stuff was being done by United States outfitters. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'm sure Floyd Lee Ranch had something to do with it. I, I Probably going to want to sign back. 
Probably going to get someone knocking on your door looking for a sign back. <laughs> no, he ain't getting a sign back. He can come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Does that happen a lot down there that you're aware of? No. Well, in that area of New Mexico, yes. It's really? it's known. It's documented. Uh, we had a lot of guys saying, oh, we've dealt with this for years. Thanks for shedding light on this. Like, I've never experienced that in anywhere I've hunted. Dan... Um, Dan said he's had people try to bully him, you know, off of public land before. And I actually, I was on an antelope hunt this year in Wyoming and um, came across a, uh, there was a public road onto a public land that we wanted to take, but for about a hundred yards, it went through a chunk of private. But even if the road, in most cases, even if the road goes through private, you can't get out and hunt there, but it's still a public road. You can drive through. For the most part, there's, there's exceptions to that, but, um, you know, I saw this sign and it said no trespassing, but I knew that it wasn't legit. Um, so anyway, there are times when people will will put false signs up, but to this level, to this extent, I've never seen anything like it. And and Dan hasn't either. So hopefully we can help to change it, but yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're going back now and fixing everything. Yeah, I hope so. Smart they would. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I know my brother. He's a province over, and he says he comes across shit like that all the time. Really? I mean, here in BC, we we're ninety four percent pub or you know public land, so oh wow, we don't uh, we don't come across it too often. Yeah, that I've ever experienced. Anyway, I mean, if you do, you just sometimes you come across like leasing fences and stuff, but yeah, I mean, just go the other direction and you got hundreds of miles of, of land to hunt. So for sure. Wow. And I mean, you know, we're, we're always respectful of private land. Like, you know, we're not, we, we didn't set foot on any private land. We have on X on our phones. It shows us the private, you know, boundaries. Mm-hmm. We want to do everything uh, in accordance with the law for sure. 100%. But um, these guys were absolutely wrong and lying and kicking public land hunters off public land yeah that sucks that's <laughs> brutal so yeah, did that uh did you guys keep hunting or did that kind of ruin that spot or did you yeah we just moved hunt? to a different spot we didn't want to deal with the drama plus it was a really pressured area anyway right, so yeah we ended up moving spots and um we eventually did actually get on some elk like on the last day but um but yeah be on the lookout um if, if your listeners you know follow elk shape on youtube yeah. um and the podcast and that I'm sure that video stuff will be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, well, they should head over to your uh, to your show too and listen to that. Yeah, yeah, that's up now. Me and Dan have a whole long conversation about it. It's on my YouTube or on the podcast, you know, networks. Or What's your YouTube YouTube handle? Uh, on YouTube, it's just my name, Hunter McWaters. So Hunter and the last name is M C W A T E R S. That's how oh. you find me there. Um, but uh, and then you know you can search the podcast on spotify or apple or whatever yeah no doubt so that's uh so you cut your tooth on elk cut and you you hooked yet dude it was i gotta say like so it was a very tough hunt we didn't see a whole lot of elk for the first it was nine days we were hunting we didn't see a whole lot of elk for the first like eight days like the last day was the first time that we actually you know like found some elk they were bugling and we actually got like into bow range of, you know, a group of elk that were kind of doing their rut activities. Yeah. It was an amazing. Elk things. 
it, it was it was amazing. It, I, once I saw that, it, it made me realize like why people are so obsessed with archery elk hunting. It was just when, when I saw that huge animal like and saw that thing screaming and like it's just like it's almost like prehistoric. It's like they're like dinosaurs or something like uh, it, it was definitely like I definitely understand like why people get so obsessed with archery elk. And I hopefully will be doing some of that next year. So we'll see though. Yeah. Cool, man. So what, uh, what, uh, you got, uh, whitetail hunting still down there opportunities. Yeah. It's man right now is like the, the bomb time to be deer hunting. Like the, this past week, the deer have been going nuts. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like this morning I was taking my son to school and I step out to my truck and look up and there's a doe and two bucks, like practically standing in my driveway. And, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's really hard for me because I traveled quite a bit this year. Lord willing, I might be traveling again in January. And so, you know, I don't know if you're married or whatnot. Yeah. Are you married? Yeah. Married, three kids, business. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I mean, after. Act. Yeah. Yeah, after being gone for, you know, several weeks, like the wife's patience is just, it's pretty low right now. I'm living on thin ice, man. And so like, I, dude, like, it's very hard because I want to be out and like deer hunting like every second I can right now. Cause it's like the best time of the year right now, as you know, but um, I kind of got to like do my best to like be around and be with the family and doing family stuff because of the amount of traveling I've been doing and, and hoping to do more of in the future and not completely blow everything up, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's a thin line to walk there for sure. You don't oh want to go too much and then uh, it'll cut everything out real quick. Yeah, man. So you got to have balance. I, I am not good at being a balanced person. So oh, me and that has negatives and positives. Um, but yeah, if you, you gotta be able to find some balance. So, um, as much as I'd love to be, you know, deer hunting every second right now, uh, I just can't, I've, I've been able to get in a little bit. Um, I've had a couple shots on smaller bucks that I've passed up because my freezers are full and I, you know, I'm just looking for a bigger one, but not able to do as much deer hunting as I normally would, but you know, it's a trade-off. So, yeah. What about, uh, your wife? Does she she get out ever you able to take her out i did actually last year get her to come out bow hunting with me a couple times i got her a crossbow um and she seemed to enjoy it um thing is like around here probably maybe probably where you are too but early season like the mosquitoes are really bad here um it's so I've taken her out a couple times. I don't think it was her favorite. I'll probably get her out again at some point. And she's not really big into guns, but um, she, she went bow hunting a couple times with me. So um, hoping to do more of that. But so the answer is yes, but I probably need to do more of that to get her involved a little bit more. Yeah. What about your son? Yeah, my son, he's only six now. And mm -hmm. so I've had him like out. I've had him out. I'll always take him with me in the truck. Like if I go scouting or. Yeah or just driving around the property looking for deer or whatever. Um, and I have taken him one time in a ground blind, just like hanging out. And, you know, I think we were only out there for like two hours or something, but 
he's still a little young, um, but I think he's he's showing some interest in it. Yeah, yeah. I've had both my uh, both my sons out at in the blind at young age, and it's it's a challenge. <laughs> hard oh, yeah. to keep them sitting still. Hard to keep them quiet, and I know. hard to keep them occupied long enough for anything to actually exciting to happen. Yeah, I almost feel like maybe I think my dad probably did it right with starting me with like dove hunting you know oh, yeah yeah you guys have dove up there yeah we do i mean we don't uh, i i don't hunt them personally okay. i don't know anybody that does but uh grouse hunting so okay yeah well, big dove grouse hunting. down here if you can get on if you can get on a good a good field like in september the weather is really nice there's lots of action lots of shooting you know you can move around um that might be the way to go starting kids out like just a hunt like or even maybe it's duck hunting where there's you know usually more action more shooting you know you can move around a little bit you don't got to be quiet that might be the way to go to get them started but um but you know whatever you can do is good you know just get them out there yeah yeah it's typically i i kind of have a uh a setup i just take the kids i have an old blind i just stick there and we just go and sit in there we don't i don't expect much but it's just about getting them out and for sure. My, my wife tags along sometimes too, but um, she's worse than the kids for sitting still. So, <laughs> <laughs> but gets, uh, gets them involved and, you know, you get a chance to get out and, and they yeah. kind of see what it's all about. So that's for cool. Sure, cool, buddy. Well, uh, I think we're going to, gonna pull the plug here but yeah my pleasure man thanks for having me on and just uh, uh give everyone uh you know uh where they can find you follow you where they can listen to your podcast and 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 all that stuff yeah i appreciate it man um so on instagram where it's probably where i'm most active um at the hunters quest um or my personal page is at hunter mcwaters um and then, you know, the podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much most or all of the, you know, app of the podcasting platforms. Um, and then uh, definitely would love if people would go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Right now, it's mainly um, podcasts, like video podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but I've had some really great guests. Um, and then I'm looking to add more content on there in terms of like hunting films and like, you know, little how-to or videos and stuff like that so for the youtube you just search my name hunter mcwaters m-c-w-a-t-e-r-s yeah really cool guest too you just had uh, gritty on there that was a good show yeah, yeah. brian calls just on there with me he's an awesome dude yeah he had um, a good Donnie hunt vincent, up. yeah Downey vincent last week um like i said adam weatherby's been on yeah um yeah dan's Belmont. been on brian yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool Okay, man. Thanks a lot, eh? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Okay. Catch you later. Stay safe up there.